It has been a week, and I, I still can't get over the fact that Juan Soto got traded. Uh, Josh Neighbors, friend of the show, host of Locked On Nationals, asked me to come on and talk about the trade, some of the guys they got in return, and kind of the state of the national system. So let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. It is a crossover between the Locked On Nationals podcast and the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. I am Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Nationals. Joining me tonight, it is Lindsey Crosby, the host of Locked On MLB Prospects, a big podcast. We're going to go through all of the prospects the Nationals got in the Juan Soto and Josh Bell trade. Number one, because it's important. We want to get to know these guys. And number two, because I was telling Lindsey before, the Nationals got completely curb stomped this weekend against the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Patrick Corbin was a disaster. Corey Abbott, who we all thought might be bad, was really bad, kind of unfair to him. Uh, the offense was non-existent, although Luke Voigt did it a home run. Relative to the offense of the Phillies, it was pretty much non-existent. Uh, but the prospects that we're going to talk about here are exciting. They're new. It's energizing. And Lindsay, when I ask you about the trade first, a lot of people might have the idea that well, in sports generally, you don't trade a guy like a Juan Soto because it's a generational player. But for you, who's got a better grasp on the prospects and the haul they got. I mean, the Nationals are a bad team, and they were able to address literally a little bit of everything in this trade. I mean, they were able to potentially help every single facet. And it's hard to visualize and see it now, right? Because we don't know these kids, and they're all, you know, for the most, I mean, none of them have gone to the major league level, right? Mackenzie Gore is hurt. DJ Abrams is in AAA. The rest are lower than that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to visualize those things, but like, you know, are trades like this in baseball worth it to do in your mind? So in this situation, I think, yes. The big thing here is, and you kind of alluded to it. Um, this team was not very good. You were not one player away from contention, no matter how good that player was. And that's the thing about baseball. Look at the angels. Mike Trout has been to the playoffs once in his entire career. And that was his rookie year. Because one superstar does not make a team. And so people have criticized the Nationals for being willing to trade Juan Soto. I think ultimately it was the right thing to do because now you've you've accelerated the timeline for the rebuild because you've accumulated talent and you have um, raised the ceiling as to where this team can go because of the level of talent you brought in. I mean, you brought in in essence, four top 10 prospects plus a big league guy who just graduated. And so this is something where I don't think any one minor league player is worth Juan Soto, but I think that a package like this, while not really having a lot of precedent in baseball history, is very much this was the right decision and this was a good haul by the Nationals. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear Juan Soto is going to at least attempt free agency unless somebody you know, gives him that godfather offer. The Nationals weren't willing to do it. And look, I mean, you know, I think when he gets whatever offer it is, it's going to ask us ask us a lot of the same questions that Mike Trout and the, the Shohei Otani stuff does, right? I mean, mm-hmm. how many players make a baseball team? Because that team is not going to have a lot of flexibility after signing one Soto, unless they've got a bunch of guys who are young that they've fostered, right? I mean, th- thinking about Lindsay, it's going to be tough for a team to be a super awesome team with that big of a contract, unless they really nailed 
a lot of those guys like the Dodgers and the Astros have to some extent, uh, you know, you have to, you have to hit on those guys. If you want to be able to have a Juan Soto on a contract plus a winning team. Yeah. And that's the thing that I worry about when it comes to the Padres being the team that got him is they have made so many of these giant trades before that I worry they're not going to have the guys to fill in. You can't, you can't spend money at the big league level for every single player. You have to grow right. some play. You have to have some homegrown players. And at a certain point, you're missing on the guys that you can use to fill in, you know, your utility guy, your backup of this or your third outfielder, things like that. In 33 months, starting in November 2019, the Padres have traded away 66 prospects or recent prospect graduates. Oh, my God. It is it is an absurd number to think about, and it's just like I just don't. It's something to me where we see a lot of people hold on to their prospects and maybe a little too closely. And the Padres have done the exact opposite; they have moved <laughs> just about everybody. And I think if they're able to win it, we'll probably look back and say it was worth it. But right to me, it's something where the Nationals found a team that was willing to give them everything that they wanted, and like you said, helped every single part of the team. Yeah. And I, I, I want to clear this up. You know, uh, when I said that we haven't seen any of these guys, at the big league level, I know Luke Voigt, you know, is there yeah. now he is not a, obviously when I said, I, I was talking about the guys that we really you know. no offense, Luke Voigt, but I mean, the guys that we really care about in the trade and those, you know, cause once again, the nationals, like a lot of us were flexible on who the major leaguer could be. Now, once again, the Eric Hosmer part of that was uh, very, very odd to me, but uh, yes, they were able to go ahead and uh, make that deal. So it looks like Lindsay might be frozen. So we will hit a ad read real fast and get into these guys. Uh, today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Blue Nile. Go to BlueNile.com today. When you guys do, Blue Nile uh, has got you covered coming up this year uh, for everything you all need. It is their anniversary deal. Let me get my glasses on to make sure I can read this correctly. And you guys can make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured. It ships free and arrives in a discreet package that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Uh, all right, so Lindsay, let's get to some of these guys. And let's talk about the two guys who are not really prospects anymore. Two guys that you'll probably see the fastest. It is Mackenzie Gore and CJ Abrams. Let's start with Mackenzie Gore. This is a guy, it's kind of, I mean, it felt like he was never really going to actually be a Padre because he was always in trade talks, right? This was this was kind of the OG Padre in the trade, and at least the modern trade talks, right? But the Nationals end up getting him, and right now he's injured recovering from that. Yeah, I mean, number three overall pick in 2017. And he, like you said, he has been part of just about every trade conversation since he was drafted. At one point in time, he was considered like the consensus number one pitching prospect in baseball. Uh, had some issues last year, went all the way back down to the complex league to figure some stuff out and came all the way back up. And this year has looked has looked fine at the big league level. I mean, he's he's pitched in 16 games with 13 starts and you know four four five era but 72 strikeouts and in 70 innings um has been almost as good as advertised and has been very competent and it's a guy with a ton of tools so at different points in time 
he was considered to have the best control in the Padres system, the best slider in the system, and the best fastball in the system. I mean, he just absolutely uh, oozes tools out of every pore. He's one of those pitchers that has good velo for a lefty. That's something we always talk about on my show is lefties seemingly don't throw as hard as a lot of righties do. But uh, he has the velo. He has a mid-80s slider. He has a curveball that's kind of one to seven, a changeup. And all of those look like uh, when they're on, they are plus pitches. I mean, if there is a very good chance that Mackenzie Gore ends up coming out of this trade as the number one pitcher for the Washington Nationals and is one of the top 20, 25 pitchers in all of baseball. Yeah, and for him, you know, the Nationals cannot get him in the rotation fast enough. I mean, this is, well, it's interesting because that's true, but also they've gone to excessive lengths to not get Cade Cavalli up and into the <laughs> league. I mean, think about the number of guys. This year they've brought up Evan Lee, Jackson Tetrio, and now Corey Abbott. And these are guys that, you know, I mean, while they could end up being good, I mean, Corey Abbott's like – he has shown nothing to show that he should be a major league major league pitcher. No offense to him, but like the numbers do not say he should. Tetreo was pretty good in AAA, and then also Evan Lee showed some stuff. But the, both those guys are now injured, and so you know, like the Nationals have done a, I mean, have done a number protecting, but I think they should treat Gore. I mean, just like they treated Josiah Gray last year in the Max Scherzer trade. That guy, when he's ready to go, th- there should be no reservation. He, he needs to be part of the big league rotation. Yes. Yeah, it's something where. At a certain point, you need to learn at the major league level. And this is something you see a lot with contending teams. And I'm going to use a team that your your listeners are familiar with in the Braves, where yeah. you have a pitcher, a young pitcher, you call them up, they start once, they start twice. The first time they stumble, you send them back down because you're competing and you don't have the ability to learn right. on the job because every game counts. The Nationals are in a situation where Mackenzie Gore's service clock has already started because he was up this year. And so You've got five, you've got the rest of the season and five more years. Go ahead, let him um let him pitch when he comes back from the, I think it's like elbow inflammation. Yeah. Yeah. Let him pitch and let him take his turn every five days so he can figure it out. Because ultimately that's something he's going to have to do. Um, but again, if he does figure it out, you're looking at the control and you want a little more consistency with the mechanics. If all of that works out it might be worth it. You're looking at a potential number one, you know, ace pitcher for this staff. Yeah. It's, it's that balance right now because it says he might not pitch again the rest of the season and the nationals, obviously, I mean, you know, they're going to be very, very with their current injury situation. Think about it too. It's, you know, Strasburg, not around Joe Ross, you know, was that we never even saw him this year. Tetrio and Lee both hit the IL had to deal with early in the season. Also had to deal with uh an injury to uh, Anibal Sanchez, who wasn't out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I understand why, they, why they'd why be tentative on it. But, I mean, I, I think, yeah, as soon as this guy's healthy and ready to go, you got to get him out there. And, and uh, you know, we'll see if there's some, any returns on him pretty fast. Next guy is C.J. Abrams. All right, this is a guy who's an infielder, right? I believe, yeah, it's a shortstop. Does he play some outfield, too? He's played a little bit of outfield, and that was something where they were like, well, we have Tatis, we have to get him in the, you know, get him on the field somewhere. So they moved right. him to try some right field. So how how does how does he project? I mean, this is a guy. It sounds like the you know, probably. I mean, uh, probably going to see him before the end of the year, right? He's healthy. He's down there in AAA Rochester. I think, irregardless of performance, I mean, it doesn't really matter what he does. Like this guy. I mean, 
there's no reason the Nats should keep this guy up, for, you know, from the big leagues. I don't think there's really much of a hurt with how bad the Nationals are. Yeah, I mean, he is right now probably defensively the best infielder in your entire system. He's the best <laughs> athlete, probably the fastest base runner. Uh, and it's something where when he's on the field, which hasn't necessarily happened every single time, you know, but when he's on the field, he he very much looks like the best player on the field. Defensively, plus range, um, a above average to plus arm, depending on, you know, kind of when you catch him. Really good internal clock. He does that thing that very few shortstops are able to do. Um, a good example of a guy that does this is Angelson Simmons. But that thing where he's internal clock, he knows exactly how long it's going to take the runner to get to first. And he can beat you with the throw by a half mm -hmm. step every time. So he kind of, he understands when to let it eat and when to save his bullets. But it's one of those kind of, six sense defensive things that you stands out when you see it so very good at making the flashy plays gotten more reliable the routine play and somebody i honestly think that he was a better um shortstop than fernando tatis jr they weren't going to move tatis but i thought he was a better shortstop than tatis and the thing is he doesn't look like he's trying that hard mm. and that's what it, it, defense is so incredibly easy for him and then what's great is He's also offensively very a very smooth, very confident hitter. He's probably the at the time of the trade, uh, I had him as the best hitter for average in the entire Padres system. Um, career minor league stats: three thirty one, three eighty seven, five sixteen. Yeah, great. Not a ton of power. Uh, tw you know, twelve home runs over one hundred and eight games. Although he hit seven home runs in thirty games this year in AAA. So, not a ton of power. More of a hit over power but he's in blazing fast and can absolutely turn anything he contacts into extra bases. And that's huge. The Nationals desperately need a leadoff hitter. They do yeah. not have a leadoff hitter. They have bounced Victor Robles. We've seen Lane Thomas. We saw Cesar Hernandez. And I mean, obviously he's not under contract next year. Um, defensively, is this somebody who can play some second base too? I mean, is that is that something that he's got in the repertoire? Third, I mean, because right now, you know, the, the situation the Nationals is, it's basically Luis Garcia is the only substantial piece that the nationals have in the middle infield equation. So where do you think he fits into that? Can he play some second with that? Just slide Garcia to second. I think he actually ends up there anyway. Kind of looking at it. I'd rather slide Garcia to second and okay. put, um, put Abrams at short simply because I mean, he's probably the best defensive player in your entire system. He is very, very good defensively. He can play third. If you need him to, he can play in the outfield. They used him in right field a little bit. Uh, in both AAA and the major league level this year, preparing for when Tatis came back. So a guy that can play all over the field, uh, just about anywhere you put him, he will be good. Uh, maybe one day he'll end up being a center fielder for you. I mean, like mm. he's that he's that good defensively. I do think it'd be a little bit of a waste to take yeah. him off a short. But uh, if it's me, I'm moving Garcia to second, and I that's my new combo. There is that's my double play combo for. Garcia only has a year of service time, so that's my combo for at least five years right there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, once again, like, I, I love the way Garcia obviously has to get a bit more. Uh, he is not a patient hitter. Uh, he is not a, yeah, he is not somebody who's taking a lot of pitches. His, his batting average has you know, been pretty good, but he is not somebody who's walking a whole lot. So, um, you know, it could be an interesting one-two punch. They also might actually hit one-two in the order, which could be interesting moving forward, too. All right, let's touch on the guys that are now further down the line in terms of, when they will come up, but the number one guy now in the Nationals farm system, according to MLB Pipeline, also according to you, Lindsay, 
it's Robert Hassel. And look, to be, to be quite candid with you, I actually don't know much about Hassel. Now I heard about him obviously coming over in the trade, but this is an outfielder, uh, you know, purely this, this guy's going to be an outfielder. It sounds like, you know, no, no other place for him. What does he bring to the table? Because I know a lot of people really like this guy um, and, and seems to have a pretty high ceiling. I think he is a pure made uh, leadoff guy. If it mm. wasn't for the fact that you had CJ Abrams, this is who I would say when he comes up should be your leadoff hitter. So 2020 first rounder, number eight overall out of high school. He went to high school in Tennessee. And um, I mean, premium hitter has speed. He's going to contend for all-star games. I mean, defensively, mm. he's that good. Offensively, some of the best strike zone discipline uh, that I've seen from a guy in high A. So um, in, in high A Fort Wayne this year, 299, 379, 467, 10 home runs in 75 games. Stole, uh, he was 20 to 23 on stolen bases as well. I mean, he's a guy that's going to be a 2020 guy. Um, he'll probably get to 20 home runs, but probably could get to 30 steals. I mean, he's a 20, you know, wow. 20, 20, 20, 30. In his career, he's 55 and nine. I'm sorry, 55 of 64 on stolen bases. He's been caught nine times in his entire professional career. Um, so offensively, contact over power but like i said very just like a premium hitter control the entire strike zone he can hang in well against lefties which isn't something you see a lot of young lefty hitters able to do he's age 20 and yet his splits are not that appreciable um still still working on power 62180 little bit of projection there you have to remember he is still 20 years old so a little bit of chance to develop power but i don't think it really gets above 15 20 home run power at the end of the day um but still, on-base machine, stolen base threat, uh, and then defensively can play any position because his arm strength. He has he can play left or right. Uh, I do think he's a, he's a premium defender in center field. He has that personality, that kind of bordering on cocky, you know, very very confident personality. Uh, and somebody give him a little bit of time. He is now twenty in high A, but give right. him two two years probably. And you're looking at a guy who's going to compete for the center field job at a spring training. And then once he earns it, is going to compete for all-star game. So you think, yeah, 2023 is probably a target with the guy like this, right? I mean, you see, I'd probably, four? I'd, I'd think about 24, 24 and see if, yeah, yeah. if maybe you could right. get him a, you know, a, cu- a cup of coffee. My, my goal would be get him a little bit of double A this year yeah. before the season ends, get him into double A give him a month in double A or so. And if that goes well, then do double A to triple A next year. And if he's still raking and still killing it, you can look at bringing him up second half of the year. But my target would be 2024. Just yeah. out of spring training, let him come in right up front and get the job. Because if he's as good as advertised, he's going to contend for for rookie of the year that first year. He's going to get the service time anyway. So you might as well bring him up to start the season versus holding him down until May or something. All right, so let me let's hit one more break from our sponsors here, and then we'll hit on a guy that I'm most excited about because everybody's talking about him, James Wood. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends from LinkedIn.com. One more time with the glasses. I'm, I'm, I, I cannot see. And also, I hate the reflection. It's annoying. Uh, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you all know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on MLB. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on MLB. 
800 million people, folks, are on uh, LinkedIn or go around or visit LinkedIn. I mean, this is the best place to post a job. When you add your job, use the purple hashtag hiring frame uh, on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring so they can help you find the right people. Once again, linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So the guy that I heard the most about, so that's a few times now, James Wood. Uh, the first two guys we mentioned, not talking a lot of pop. Talk about pop. This this guy, I mean, we got ourselves a, a uh, large young fella here is James Wood. 6'7", 240. He's a big boy. An outfielder, 19 years old. He hit a home run in his first game in the Nationals. Uh, I think it was, I'm not sure it was like low A or whatever, wherever he was. Um, this guy has the highest ceiling, it sounds like, Lindsay. Now, you always get nervous with big athletes like this. Um, 6'7", 240 is not like, it's not, it's not big in a bad way, but I mean, it's, it's still, it's still really big. It's still like, we're still approaching linebacker big, like, you know, like at, at that point. Yeah. So he's, what, he's what do we got here? What do we got? Just give me the full okay. breakdown. Okay. So every single minor league system needs that dude with light tower power that you have to like put a protective net up over the parking lot when he takes yes. BP. That is James Wood. Um. I think that if everything uh, pans out, he's going to be batting cleanup. He's going to hit 30, 35 home runs a season. Uh, he's going to, he's not going to be a three true outcomes guy, but he's going to be a little closer to that than some of the other guys. Right. You will take the swing and miss if you can get 35 home runs out of it. So uh, raw power is, is plus plus. The swing for being a huge human being is rather compact, which I mm -hmm. like. And so he stands pretty upright in the box. He has a bigger strike zone because of that. Um, I think, and this is the concern, I think that he's going to be limited to how well the hit tool does. Um, I think that the hit tool can get to average to maybe above average. A lot of that's going to depend on the player development department for the Nationals because... His stats look great right now. So low A this year in the uh, Padre system, 337, 453, 601, 10 home runs in 50 games. Um, you know, as he gets like, he's a guy I really want to see him get a taste of higher level pitching this year. So you can start to work. So he has the winter to work on whatever hitch they find in his swing and whatever weakness they find in his zone. Um, Defensively, I think he's going to be average to above average. The arm is above average, so he'll play right field. He's going to be your your slugger in right field. Is it going to steal a ton of bases? He's uh he was fifteen out of twenty this year, but it's same time it is low A where it's a little bit easier to steal yeah. bases because the pickoff restrictions. So right, I, I don't, yeah, we're not going to see him. This yeah, there's yeah. no point having him. You're looking for him to put the ball over the fence, and he's going to do plenty of it provided that he makes solid enough contact, like that he makes quality contact. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've heard great things about him. They just they think this guy can be a star. I mean, obviously I think when you see that kind of size, right. You think about Aaron judge, mm -hmm. I guess kind of the first guy that comes to mind. I think it's also interesting too. all three guys by my count that they got that uh, will figure into like, you know, the lineup eventually, I think they're all lefties. I think Abrams Hassel and wood. I mean, you're getting three left-handed bats 
Mm -hmm. I thought was pretty interesting that they ended up going with three guys who are all left-handed. And I mean, you know, how about variety? You can end up getting that that together in your lineup down the line. But um, I just thought that was interesting, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, it's something where there's a lot of lineups that are very like righty dominant and things like that. And there are guys, you know, MLB pitchers who struggle with facing lefties or having like reverse platoon splits and things like that. And all three of these guys are somebody who can make a pitcher uncomfortable, uh, make the, you know, take away usually one of their better secondary weapons, you know, take mm. away their slider, take away, uh, you know, something like that and make them beat them with lesser stuff. So that's, I don't necessarily know if that was intentional or if that was coincidental, right. but either way, it is, like you said, something really interesting and something that I like to see. Uh, all right, last guy. Uh, and th- this is one, you know, this is your, um, I mean, I- I've got no clue, right? Y- Yarlin Susana on this. 6'6", 235, uh, so really big dude. Um, he is just 18 years old, mm-hmm. and this is a guy, you know, he's he's the uh, top-ranked pitcher in the 21-22 international class, signed for $1.7 million. So this, you know, and look, this is actually kind of interesting. The Nationals have had a lot of success with these with guys uh, at the international debt. Now, once again, yep. they didn't pick this guy, but they did pick him out of the farm system. So this is your, is this your lottery ticket right here? I mean, because he's because of how young he is, or is it a bit more short than that? This is, this is your lottery ticket, but you have to feel good about the showing that he had in rookie ball this year in the complex. So I was actually uh, DMing with a, a complex league prospect. Uh, I think it was on Sunday. And he, he mentioned this guy as one of the better players that he's seen so far in the complex league. And then he pops up in the Juan Soto trade. So, um, yes, he is 18 years old, eight games in the complex league, two, four, five ERA, 44 strikeouts to 11 walks, only gave up one home run. So the thing here with the six, six, two is fastball sits 95 or 96. He's touched 98 with it before he's got two separate breaking balls. He has a slider. It's more of a power slider, mm-hmm. high eighties. I think it's a plus pitch. He's got a curveball that's uh, probably above average. He has a changeup, 86 to 89. I want to see the changeup a little bit slower, but I like the movement it has. Um, And then if he can, the things here are going to be, one, differentiating the slider and the curveball. They tend to run together at times a bit. And then understand that 18-year-old right-handed pitcher is the most, like the most common prospect type for a reason, because that's the kind of guy who, who bust the most now he's pitched really well since they've seen him domestically this year. So you have right. a little track record to go that's on. Encouraging, right? You kind that's, of decide that's a, a little bit of a yeah. sigh of relief when you get the kid over and it's like, okay, we, yeah. you know, he is in front of us now. He is doing well. Yes. He has, he has pitched well this season. We have not seen any glaringly bad uh, habits, bad traits, anything like that. Um, and like I said, one of the stories of the complex league this year has been drawing Susana. I think this was a great get. I think there were a lot of pitchers you guys could have asked for that were young, and this was probably the best one to get. And this, for me, is kind of why having Susana in the package is one of those reasons why I say that you guys probably won the trade. Because if, and this is a big, big if, if he hits the ceiling that we're looking at and we're thinking about, I mean, he's a potentially a number one, number two. Right now, granted, that's going to he's 18 years old. That's going to be four years or so. But if he's able to hit that ceiling, 
then you got two number one pitchers. You got an all-star shortstop. You got a probably an all-star center fielder, and you got a slugging um, right fielder that's going to contend for home run champ, like for, for home run titles. You got all of that for two and a half years of Juan Soto. Right. In a situation where you know you weren't going to get him, like I mean, they they had to, they had to pull the trigger on this, and it kind of gets us now, Lindsay, the, the conversation about the entire farm system. This thing has been bad. It's been bad for a long time, and what's interesting now is that think about thinking about what they did in the last couple drafts, and now they've got a guy like Cade Cavalli's out there. I think and Jackson Rutledge has looked really strong last couple outings, uh, yes. especially. And he has been he has been a guy that I am. That's my guy. I, I I really think he's got such a high upside. Um, this thing, and they're gonna get number one pick, <laughs> number one pick probably next year too, right? At least be in the running for number one pick now. You know, the, the, at least what, what what's the deal? Is it top three? They're gonna at least have the lottery's top three, yeah. Yeah. So um they are gonna be able to now put together what looks like a very it's gonna be top 10 at least. Mm-hmm. And and uh, now it's going to be on the player development. I mean, it's it, there's going to be a situation now where this team is really going to be reliant. They really have to take a hard. I mean, in a way that they haven't in the past, take a very hard look because they've got Cavalli there. Obviously, you add Hassel, Wood, Susana into the mix there. Then you've got Cole Henry. You've got Brady House, who has been you know really strong so far. His start, Jackson Rutledge, as I mentioned before. Um, and then you're going to add, you know, Elijah Green to that mix. They just drafted and you add whoever they draft next year. I mean, this looks like a legit farm system. They're starting to put together with a variety, you know, variety, more than one guy and more than once, you know, at certain spots, Th- this thing's actually starting to take shape. And so as the nationals continue to really suck, I, I want the, I want you, Lindsay, to, to, to at least impart upon the fans that this is beginning to resemble what a great farm, a really good farm system looks like. Yes. And what I love about the way the Nationals have done this is so many of these guys are in the lower minors right now. So many of these, you know, these these position players and these pitchers that you currently have are in rookie ball or are in a ball or in high A. And so there's kind of a clear window of, okay, we're looking at 2024 to 2025 for a lot of these guys and then when you go and you look at the pitchers that you guys went out and got you know jake bennett from oklahoma Mm -hmm. um you know riley cornelio from tcu you look at you know uh chance huff these are all college guys that should be able to debut at the big league level first get their feet underneath them learn on the job and then you have this wave of position player talent who's going to come up behind them and backstop them. And so you've painted a very clear picture of this is the progression of the rebuild. We have some college pitchers who we're going to get first. Then we're going to get these position players and some young pitchers next once those college pitchers are settled and are confident and not fully formed, but are acclimated to the big league level and we're going to be able to compete as soon as these position players come up and i that's what gives me hope if i were a nationals fan that would be what gives me hope uh, before we get out of here who's your favorite guy out of everybody we just talked about uh if you want to say luke void i won't blame you Kidding. uh shout out no i like the floor of robert hassel okay. i think that robert hassel is a guy that because I mean, the defense and the speed is that why the defense, is, is... the speed, the contact ability, 
I feel like he's the safest bet, but he still has a high ceiling. It's very seldom that we get a guy with a high floor and a high ceiling. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's a high floor, high ceiling, whereas Abrams and Wood have a little bit of a lower floor and the ceiling is a little bit higher. So I like Hassel being able to, to help you be competitive. And then just from the little bit of video that I've watched at Complex League, I like Jarlin Susana. I like him <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Watching him pitch that power slider is a weapon. He uses it very well. And that and the fastball together are kind of vicious. And so I think worst case scenario, you've got an impact closer off just those two pitches. But I am a believer in the curveball and the change and him having four fully formed pitches and being a number one, number two in, you know, four years or so. Lindsey Crosby, you did, you, I mean, wonderful. This this is everything that we could have wanted because, you know, it's tough for fans to understand who these, these guys are and you've got such a great working understanding of it. So I appreciate you so much. Where can people find you and your work? I know you're always doing stuff about prospects across the league, every single team. Every single team. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. If you have questions for the mailbag, we do every Monday. Email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show Locked On Nationals wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Lindsay, it was a pleasure, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Um.